Hi, and welcome to Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. If you're wondering what you can do with your degree, you're in the right place. You'll learn top tips and strategies you can apply to build an impactful career and meaningful life. Your host, Dr. Marin Wood, will share evidence-based research so that you can job search the smart way. Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Marin Wood. Thank you so much for joining me. Today on the podcast, I want to talk about some of the research that I've been doing over the last number of years, trying to understand the process by which PhDs make a successful career transition, and then also to understand some of the emotional, psychological, and uh, social barriers that PhDs encounter when they move beyond the professoriate. When I first left academia, I was so frustrated by the lack of seriousness by which people took this problem of employment options for PhDs. I was one of the first people to start doing placement tracking. Uh, I did it on my own, actually, because I was so curious as to where history PhDs ended up um, to help me map my own journey. And in my frustration, uh, I decided to do an actual study. I, I compared four departments uh, and I looked up alumni. I just grabbed them out of Pro, ProQuest digital database. And I went through and I systematically looked people up on the internet. And I ended up tracking, I think about 95% of the PhDs who came from these four different history programs. And I actually published that article in the Chronicle of Higher Education. Uh, that that publication led me to work with the American Historical Association for a number of years. Uh, and I had the privilege of working with Rob Townsend, who's now over at the Humanities Institute on a project tracking um, a couple thousand history PhDs. And we were able to identify where 95% of them went. And then I moved on to working with the Chronicle. I was really interested to work on a project where we actually understood who was landing tenure track jobs. There's a lot of focus on mapping career pathways for PhDs outside of the academy, but there's also very little information available about who actually is getting tenure track jobs. So I worked for the Chronicle for a couple of years on that study, and I can share some of that information in subsequent um, episodes with you. As I was going around campuses sharing this information with people, um, there were also a lot of questions about how do I replicate the career transition of other PhDs? How are they doing this? Not just like where are people going, but you know, that's nice that so-and-so has a job they like, but what does that mean for me? That's often the tone of the question. So it's nice that alumni from my program didn't die when they didn't get tenure track jobs and now they're happy, but how do I actually replicate that process for myself? Um, and so I wanted to be able to really understand this problem and, and bring my skills as a scholar and historian. Uh, I was also trained in oral history, did a couple of oral history projects. So I felt like I had a rich range of skills that I could bring to really tackling this challenge, this problem of identifying the process and also helping PhDs and graduate students recognize that some of the challenges that they're experiencing are not unique to them. Uh, As I said in the opening episode of this podcast, a lot of the challenges that we have come from our time that we have spent within a very closed community, which is academia. Back in February of 2020, I decided that I wanted to do a survey of graduate students and PhDs, and I wanted to better understand the relationship between the high levels of depression and anxiety that we see amongst graduate students and PhDs and attitudes towards non-academic careers. 
previous studies had been conducted and they had shown that that there were three concerns that graduate students and PhDs had, or three causes that increased uh, the likelihood that someone would be experiencing depression. It was a relationship with advisors, financial futures, and career options. And so I wanted to dig into this a little bit more because this is something that I see through my work at Beyond the Professoriate that there's a lot of hesitation and resistance and misunderstanding and misinformation about the nature of professional work. So I wanted to do a study and we put one out, uh, a survey. We used a, a standard study to identify depression. We used the Center for Epidemiological Studies Depression Scale, which was released in 1977. And we had about 3,500 PhDs and graduates respond to our survey. More than 70% of those who responded to our survey were depressed. And for those of us who work with graduate students and postdocs, we know anecdotally that depression rates are high. We know that other surveys have shown 50% of graduate students and postdocs experiencing depression. So this wasn't a surprise, um, but it still is, is a shocking number that we're seeing some of the best and brightest in our society moving into academic spaces and becoming anxious and depressed. And why I say becoming anxious and depressed is because we can map from anxiety and depression amongst first-year students and those that are about to exit. And the closer people get to leaving the academy, the higher levels of anxiety and depression we see amongst the PhD population. So to investigate some of the factors that are often linked to depression, our survey included questions regarding financial status, intellectual engagement, and social and professional development. Immediate financial concerns were top of mind. 70% of respondents worried about their finances. 30% had to cut back on food purchases because of concern about money. 40% felt like their finances and debt were unmanageable. And 40% had taken out student loans. When we asked about work-life culture in academia, 53% said they did not feel like they had a good work-life balance. 60% felt like they worked for long hours with little pay. And 85% said there was not enough time to balance work and life commitments. And 40% felt unsupported in their career goals. When we asked about future prospects, 82% lacked confidence in their financial futures, and 57% felt like they lacked career prospects. And that last piece is just so heartbreaking to me. Again, that we have highly educated, highly talented demographic who feel like they lack career prospects. So I wanted to dig into these attitudes towards non-academic career options because I see anecdotally in my conversations with my coaching clients, as well as questions that are submitted during our programming and our conference, that there's, again, there's just this fear and uncertainty and a misunderstanding about intellectual engagement and the meaning of work outside of the academy, a concern that work and life will let, will mean less uh, if we're working outside of the academy. And when we have these beliefs, it increases the likelihood that we will remain in the academy in exploitative contingent positions. So 56% of respondents agreed with the statement, I worry that if I leave academia, I will not be intellectually engaged. Only 10% strongly disagreed with that statement. Over half of respondents worry that their work and life would have less meaning if they worked outside of the academy. Only 43% were excited about non-academic careers. 50% worried that if they left academia, their friends and peers would no longer respect them. 
and 70% plan to pursue a job in academia after graduation. And yet we know there are not enough jobs for all the talented people. In the humanities, historically, only about 56% of PhDs landed academic positions. That number comes from the humanities um, indicator. And depending on the, on the discipline, we know only about 17 to about 30% of STEM PhDs will end up teaching at a four-year institution. And again, that number comes from the humanities inst- indicator as well. If we look at just those people who were depressed, 60% of depressed people are worried that they won't be intellectually engaged compared to 50% of non-depressed. 56% of depressed people worry that their life would and work would have less meaning if they left academia compared to 43%. And only 40% of depressed people were excited about careers outside of the academy, whereas 50% of non-depressed people were. So what this means is that we are dealing with a systemic challenge within academia. And again, misinformation about the nature of work and life. And what it basically boils down to is we have a lot of people who are depressed, but worried that leaving will make them make their situation worse and not better. And so one of the things that we've been doing at Beyond the Professoriate, in addition to understanding these social, psychological, and emotional barriers that graduate students and PhDs face when they're leaving the academy, is to really understand that process by which PhDs are leaving. And one of the ways that we study the process is by interviewing PhDs who have moved outside of the academy. So since 2019, Beyond the Professoriate has interviewed about 200 PhDs from across academic disciplines. And we have also conducted group interviews of 156 PhDs who work across industries and sectors. And these group interviews are career specific. So we'll bring together a couple of people who work in data science or a couple of people who work in higher education. We'll ask every um, participant to talk about their career transition, the skills that they use in order to be successful and what energizes them about their work. In our structured one-to-one interviews, we also ask a standard set of questions Um, And so this really allows us to track through our qualitative research, the skills that PhDs are using to be successful, what they love about their work, where they're working, and how they actually landed those opportunities. So some of our key findings is that skills matter the most. And you're going to hear me talk a lot about this on the podcast, that most PhDs work in, in career fields that have little to, to nothing to do with their subject matter expertise. They're leveraging their skills. Um, sometimes these skills are developed through their time in graduate school or earning the postdoc. And sometimes it's through side hustles or part-time work that they did while earning their degree or while they were teaching. It takes time. We learned through our, our research that it takes at least six months on average to land a job. That's pre-COVID. Um, during the COVID-19 recession, we're seeing that it's taking about six to 13 months to land a position. We also see in the research that we're doing that it takes about three to five years for PhDs to settle into a new career field. And this is really important because one of the big anxieties that I see amongst graduate students and PhDs is a real concern that we that they need to have clearly identified a career path that they're moving into before they'll exit academia. And that's not always realistic. What I mean by that is you don't have to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. You need to just clearly identify what you'd like to try next, 
what your most marketable skills are, what opportunities are available in the city where you live, and what opportunities will people give you a chance without requiring you to do extensive retraining or get another degree. And then just choose something. Just be like, project management sounds interesting. Let's get started. And then you want to build knowledge around, read yourself into that field of project management. This is one of the things that that comes from our research. We know that PhDs need to read themselves into these professional fields. The professional fields have a highly specialized knowledge that you need to learn in order to be successful in landing a job and then also being successful in that new position. And then what we see is that once PhDs land in, in, these, in their first non-academic job, they are able to move quite quickly. So we see PhDs moving every one to three years, really early on in their non-academic careers. As they learn more information about the professional workforce, they learn more information about themselves. They're given opportunities within their, the business or organization where they're working and they get to identify, you know, new skills that they maybe didn't know they had or skills that they had developed that they didn't know were in demand. And they're able to move into, you know, really interesting, exciting careers. And so what you need to just take away from what I'm telling you right now is that, you know, go the path of least resistance, find something that will work for you. And then just know that you'll continue to build your career and move once you land your first non-academic opportunity. 80% of the PhDs that we have spoken to or interviewed or surveyed say that networking was critical to their career success that most of the first jobs that PhDs land come through their network. Uh, and that especially early on, you need to find someone who wants to, who can see your value and want to take a risk on someone who has a lot of skills, but not a lot of linear work experience. And the piece that I really want to emphasize, especially if you're one of these people who are sharing those concerns um, that, that came out of our survey, if you're worried that your work in life will have less meaning, if you're worried that you will not be intellectually engaged PhDs love their non-academic careers and they're intellectually engaged and challenged. They feel empowered and have many career options. In fact, we've interviewed faculty as well, and we find that the PhDs who are working outside of the academy feel more empowered uh, and have better work-life balance and are more optimistic about their futures. They like their colleagues and they like where they work at a higher percentage than faculty. And that's not a dig at faculty jobs. I have a lot of friends who really enjoy their, their, their careers and there can be really meaningful work done in the academy, but it's not the only place where we see PhDs thriving. So we took all of this research and what we were able to do is really identify four stages of PhD career transitions. And through these stages, we've developed a variety of different programming to help PhDs work through some of the social, emotional, and psychological barriers that they're encountering when they're, when they're trying to move out of the academy. So the first stage we call the discovery stage. And this is where you want to recognize an optimal career path. And an optimal career path is not the thing that you're going to do for the rest of your life. It's actually just a metric that you're going to use to measure your, your opportunities. So what energizes you about your work? What do you actually do? What are your skills? And how does that align with the marketplace? What will people actually pay you money to do? In the second stage, the research stage, we encourage PhDs to spend time researching career options that align with their skills, interests, and values that they identified in the first stage. 
this is a great time if you're kind of thinking, well, maybe student affairs or maybe marketing or maybe grant writing, and you're not really sure. Research all of these options, talk to people who work there, read job advertisements, figure out what what you'll be paid. And then at the end of that, evaluate these possible careers and choose just one that you want to try next. Then you want to move into what we call the implementation stage. And this is where you're going to execute a job search with proven PhD job search strategies. These proven job search strategies you'll be learning in the research stage because you'll want to use those strategies to gather information. And then when you make your decision, you'll apply these skills that you've developed to implement a proven job search and land an opportunity in one career field of choice. And then finally, at the building stage, this is when you're going to examine your career choices and identify future opportunities for advancement and growth. In the next episode of this podcast, I'll talk a little bit more about the goals of these different stages, some tools that you can use to help move you through these stages, and some ways that you can break down the process to make this feel more manageable. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Job Search the Smart Way, a podcast for graduate students and PhDs. For more resources to help you launch your next great career, be sure to visit beyondprof.com and sign up for our free events. And remember, smart people work everywhere.